Welcome to Paytech Talk, the podcast of payment technology law, brought to you by the dedicated lawyers at Adderholt Munich. With Paytech Talk, you get the latest trends and topics and experience the world of payment, banking, and IT. Hi, this is Isabella from Paytech Talk, and I'm here in Copenhagen at Money 2020 with Christian from PPRO. Christian, may you introduce yourself? Yes, thank you for the um, invite. Um, I'm a Chief Product Officer at PPRO, and uh, at PPRO we uh, look on the one side um, to uh, give uh, alternative payment methods to payment service providers. So we aggregate and bundle um, all the various methods uh, which are available around the world um, to make them available through one contract, um, one API. The other business field uh, we are working in is on the issuing side. So we issue um, on the one side a consumer card called Viabuy, available in uh, various uh, European markets, as well as corporate cards um, to enable corporates to use cards to better manage payouts um, as well as uh, expenses. Well, thank you. That's quite interesting. So in your opinion, how long will we continue to pay in cash? It depends on the market, obviously. So um, if we look into the Scandinavian markets, I think um, in the time frame of about uh, 10 years, we may see that cash is probably below 1% or completely um, fading. When we look at Germany, I would uh, right now estimate something roughly about uh, 30 years. Um, if we continue with the current growth on uh, electronic payments, which we see in the market, it will take something probably more than 30 years. So you mentioned the future. What, in your opinion, will be the most commonly used payment method in 2025, let's say? In 2025, so eight years down the road. I'm not quite sure, to be honest. It's um, simply something which is a little bit unpredictable. If we look back, I don't know, five, six, seven years, everyone was proclaiming that in the end, mobile payments will more or less substitute cards, plastic cards. Uh, and this didn't happen. So if we look into the question, I think we have to look at the consumers. Payment is something a consumer is not interested in. So it takes a lot of time to change consumers' behavior when it comes to payments. This is what we see on when it comes to Germany and cash. People like cash. And there is not really need or benefit to move away from cash. Speaking of Germany, the majority will probably still be cash. It okay. will be less than 50% in Germany, but it will still be the dominating payment method. Uh, when we look at pure online, I believe that um, real-time money transfer mm -hmm. will be very yeah. strong, but credit card as PayPal as well. So I see these three more or less head-to-head -head in the market. So not so much difference between now and then? No, not really. I yeah. think in the next um, eight years uh, we will see a typical growth rates which we have seen so far. Probably they will come to the same level of growth and same market share. And clearly in Germany, probably uh, still the strongest one in eight years is invoicing. Pay by account <laughs> or pay on account, as Germans love this uh, way of uh, paying. So we have to talk again in eight years, I think. Yes. So, and last but not least, the famous next big thing. What will it be in fintech industry? Um, I don't see any next big <laughs> thing, to be honest. The next big thing which could come up are cryptocurrencies. There are still, of course, something in the area of uh, the early internet days where, for example, like writing an email 20 years ago was something which was for nerds yeah. uh, like me. And this is the same like I see in the moment with cryptocurrencies. But given more or less the capabilities uh, they offer, it might be that uh, the next big thing is really cryptocurrencies. 
but it's a little bit unpredictable when they will really take off. We see that Bitcoin currently is moving out of this, um, let's say, nerd market into much more consumer awareness. But Bitcoin is not made for everyday transactions. Mm -hmm. um, it's more like an asset in the moment or for international transactions. So it's a swift model based on cryptocurrencies. But there are a lot of alternative uh, coin models coming up which might be able to really get into the consumer market and drive acceptance of cryptocurrencies. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you for your insights. Hi, I'm Frank. So uh, one additional question uh, with regard to the uh, regulatory landscape. For USP Pro, um, are you happy with the current regulatory situation or is there anything you would improve? What is your um, opinion on that? Simply speaking, uh, regulation, of course, is something which is welcome. I think we need regulation. Um, typically, regulation is a little bit behind the market usually. So, uh, but we need regulation, of course, to make sure that we have a level playing field for everyone and that uh, we also act to protect people, uh, players, consumers in this market. I'm not really happy with the PSD2 in the way it is approached. I think we can all agree that in the end we would like to protect customers, consumers from fraud, but not only consumers, merchants and all players in this ecosystem. But instead of, from my perspective, setting objectives, what do we really want to achieve in the sense of, I don't know, the percentage um, of fraudulent transactions, the regulation defines more or less procedural standards and approaches. It says it doesn't want to define technical approaches to this, but from my perspective it does partially because it defines procedural steps. I would have welcomed if it would have been something which is simply set on objectives and leaves more or less the ecosystem to develop solutions to achieve those objectives. Um, and I typically compare this with the car industry. So pollution standards have been set for the car industry, but it was simply left to the car industry to find technologies, approaches, to make sure that they meet those standards. And this way it would have allowed all the players in the ecosystem to develop the necessary solutions. And would not make it also push something back to the consumer, because right now my feeling is in the end that it will be more complicated for consumers because of the strong customer authentication. But in case we have transactions where we all believe uh, we can process them without strong customer authentication and still meet the objectives of fraudulent transactions, why not have them simply process like today? But of course there are cases where we have higher fraud rate, rate, ratios where we need to act upon. But it's the industry who can develop solutions. And by the way, if I look back 20 years down the road, the industry has developed a lot of security solutions. So we always try to manage and keep fraud ratios down because they all have economic effects. No acquirer wants to have fraudulent transactions. But we need to find a way between security, security costs, fraud costs, and implementation costs for security. Something which uh, I typically call them security profitability, which is uh, for me more or less should be the right objective, um, as well as setting of course clear fraud ratios, which we can accept in the market. Thank you very much, Christian. You're welcome. I'm sitting here with uh, Philip from Prepro. Philip, uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, my, my name is Philip Nyland, and I founded Prepro uh, 10 years ago, 11 years ago now. And we are very active in the payment space um, in more than 110 countries. And we are totally focusing on alternative payments, which means we are very, um, yeah, very tight in every country with regulatory bodies, and we have uh, different requirements than other acquirers in the in the industry. So, talking about regulation, uh, in times where PSD2 and RTS is uh, making everyone's life easier, 
what is your what is your opinion on the current regulatory framework first in uh, Germany but also with uh, a pan-european or even a global view well in general I think uh, the whole regulatory framework we which we got introduced in 2011 it's good for the industry because it gives it gives more trust um, in the involved parties and it, it, it technically it should help us to do better business but um, The trust relationship between uh, the payment operators, the financial institutions and the banks is not really strong. So no bank trusts a financial uh, institution for whatever reason and, and the law did not change that and the regulatory bodies are not doing anything against it. So banks are very skeptical about financial institutions. They don't treat them as equal, they treat them as something dangerous. That's the main issue. The, the PSD2 and the RTS coming up, I see some advantages. Especially it's more protective for the existing players in the market. It's more difficult for new players to enter the market. But on the other side, it hopefully will strengthen the trust relationship between the banks and the financial institutions because we get more and more regulated, which makes sense for me. But for a new player, it gets really difficult to enter the market. Especially if it comes to the point access to accounts, I think that the European Commission is not really clear on what they really want to achieve. So uh, that, that's the main point. It's very driven by the banks on the one side and the financial institutions on the other side, and they're all fighting for getting access to the accounts. The banks want to avoid that, and the financial institutions want to get total freedom. So, and, and this puts us in a very bad situation that we have a compromise now, which is not the best from two worlds, it's the worst from two worlds. I see a lot of technical problems in the future. I see a lot of organizational problems, especially when it comes to the point, oh, the bank has to provide an API. How will the API look like? Which data will we get through the API? And um, it will be different from bank to bank. It will, you know, it will be chaos, at least for a couple of years. And the existing players, which should be regulated with that, like Ford and Trustly, they are good off because they have a working solution. And every new player who starts, there will be no competition anymore in the market. So from my point of view, I don't see the European regulation as a very good regulation today. So I think it's... It's too strong in points where it's not necessary and too weak in other areas where it should be stronger. And, um, but this gives us a lot of issues and difficulties with the, with the banks in Europe. And uh, what I think what should be the focus of the European regulation is putting pressure on the banks to make banks and financial institutions equal, to give financial institutions easier access to the financial system. And that's the big problem. Every financial institution has in Europe, getting access to the financial systems, getting access to SEPA, getting access to SWIFT, getting access to all the different um, industry bodies. Uh, this is the big difficulty because without banks, we cannot move money. The old industry like, um, like credit card acquiring, it's more easy because money gets received by MasterCard somewhere in the world and then they forward the money to the acquirer. It's one payout per day or four payouts per day to the acquirer and that's it. Coming from one source, trusted source MasterCard to a bank account, it's easy to get a bank account for that. We are receiving millions and millions and millions of consumer funds every day, which involves you know, a certain percentage of fraud, um, problems with customers, uh, consumer payments. It's, it's all, you know, it's, it's a huge amount of transactions we run through the banks and most of the banks in Europe, they're not ready for that. Even if you're regulated in the local country. Even if I would be regulated in Germany, I have big troubles getting a bank account in Germany. Same in the UK, same in Luxembourg, everywhere. 
it's it's a big problem. We've heard that uh, recently that uh, Adyen and uh, Klarna became banks. Do you think that's the reason behind it? Because they already had a working product. They they are active on a pan-European or even global uh, level. And um, do you think that uh, what you've just explained is one of the reasons why they made the move, or what is your opinion? Well, I don't believe that because for a small bank getting access to other banks it's the same problem. So getting Nostro accounts for like, a, if you're a very small bank and you want to get a Nostro account with Deutsche Bank or, or BBVA in Spain, it doesn't matter if you're a financial institution or a bank. I think it's only from the processing side they want to get more independent um, for the access to the financial yeah. system. Like especially running SIPA transactions, getting access to, to the SIPA system. In general, we personally, I personally think uh, being a bank is a competitive disadvantage today because the regulation is, is far more tight and it's more difficult to do real business. For Adyen, probably not that much because they are mainly in the B2B business and for them it's okay. I think for Klarna, I'm not sure what they really want to achieve with it. Philip, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for you coming here. Thank you for joining Paytech Talk today. For further information, visit your source for legal and industry-specific insights on payment, banking and IT and subscribe to our newsletter at paytechlaw.com.